It's now time for Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Mike will get you into the ring with the latest boxing and MMA info, the Lobos, and much more. Now, here's Mike Adams 2.0. Presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Adams 2.0. ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. I have to say this. I've been listening to a lot lot of Jack Harlow. He may crack my top 100 next year. He may get into my top 100. I've listened to almost every one of his albums now, and he's just getting better and better. And you look at who he's doing music with. Lil Wayne, Drake, Pharrell, Bryson Tiller. I can go on and on. Chris Brown. Jack Harlow is making noise. Now, let's get to fact or fiction. Fact or fiction comes strong with opinions, and it comes fast. It's fact or fiction. Michael Franco, are you ready? I'm ready, Mike. Are you ready? Let's go. Need to start off without a fact or fiction. This one is, how do you describe Cameron Smith's win at St. Andrews last weekend? Yeah, I think it was big. I mean, first of all, he was down. Rory McIlroy was tied. Then Rory McIlroy takes the lead. I mean, it was impressive. And he's been close. In the last few majors, he finally won one. Stealing the thunder, getting over the hump. Both of those make a major statement. Also felt like we saw a major statement on ESPN. Arnold Barboza Jr., now 27-0, junior welterweight champion. How in the mix is he now, Mike? I don't know how in the mix he is. I, I think he's made a name for himself. I just don't know where you put him. or And I know where you're going with this. Where do you put him? Well, that's what I'm asking. He's top six in his division right now in the rankings. Does that make him enough of a factor to start calling out the names he's talking about? You have to call out the names. So he's doing the right thing. You have to if you want to get paid. If you want to get paid, you got to call out those names. You have to shoot those big shots. Did Yair Rodriguez not shoot a big enough shot? Was he too humble in allowing Ortega to use the injury as too much of an excuse for the ending of the fight? I think he made a statement, and I think Yair may get Volkanovski. He may. You got to shoot for the stars here. I'd call him out too. But this is Yair's time. He will fight for a championship very, very soon. Yair needed to play on. The injury happened because I was tugging on the arm, whether it was the arm bar I was going for or an accidental shoulder injury. You said title fight. I say fact. The next fight for Yair will be Josh Emmett and an interim title fight. Fair enough. Fair enough. That one could be seen. That was a huge moment from this weekend, but we know most of the stars were aligned in Mike's second favorite city right there in L.A. The Home Run Derby is now the main event of All-Star Weekend. Absolutely the main event, and it may be better than the dunk contest. I'm going to tell you why. They get so many minutes, right? And then then they get that 30-second bonus round. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're swinging for the fences. 32 coming out of the gate. 32 home runs coming out of the gate. Julio Rodriguez Unbelievable. is something else. Unbelievable. Then, Soto, my goodness. My wonder he didn't want to sign for 450-some-odd million. 440. 440. He's worth 490, 510, Micah, and he proved it at the Home Run Derby. 
I'm saying I'd start, if I'm offering him a contract, I'm putting the number six at the top of that grand total. We're probably looking at 45 to 50 annually. But isn't it incredible when the most well-rounded hitter in the league is our home run derby winner? Absolutely. But I want to say one thing about the home run derby. The theatrics of like, you know, the flames in the back, you know how they came, they went up and they showed their bats? Yeah. I don't think you need flames in 105 degree heat. And plus you really can't see it when when it's that bright. So unless you're going to do the derby at night with the lights, you you see where I'm going with that? I'm thinking that next year you're saying we need the home run derby in Las Vegas and we need it looking more like EDC. I, I like to see a neon ball and bat, and then we could just have the music really bumping. Mike Adams would have the party started right there. And let me say this real quick, Micah. The all-star lids, I'm staying with lid instead of hat. But the all-star lid... I like those hats. Looking nice. The ASG on the side. You got the little star next to the emblem. Had the nice, open, airy backs. I'm with you, and I'm digging those uniforms from this year a hundred times better than what we saw in Colorado last year. Sorry, graphic designer outdid himself this year. Juan Soto trade market looks primed and ready for the Texas Rangers to dive on into. Well, it'd be interesting if Texas gets him. But I think a lot of teams are going to try to. Who can afford him? That's the question. Yeah, Texas is lined up to take him. Well, it's not just who can afford him. He's still under contract for another half season and two more. So what about a rental? You bring up the Padres. I've heard the Giants. Maybe it's not a big market. Maybe it's a rental to make a run, and then you allow the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets to go for the bidding war. Yeah, and don't be surprised if the Mets end up with him when it's all said and done. When it's said and done, but I just don't see the Nationals handing him over in a trade to have to see him for the next 15 years make them pay. Met fan, imagine Alonzo and Soto. That would be something else. But it was also something else because we've never seen a pickoff move at first like we saw with Kershaw getting Shoho right away out there. Yeah, it was a great, great uh, pickoff at first. And, you know, I'm glad to see Kershaw get that in Dodger Stadium. So it even made it better, right? And then you were telling me who's going to start last week. Who's going to be the start? I was going to tell you, but everybody says, ah, oh, Mike. Mike's Lakers, Mike's Dodgers. Had somebody stop me the other day, a friend of the podcast. I didn't even know who he was. He says, if you don't talk Lakers or Dodgers. So I laid off Kershaw. But then he does that wonderful pickoff on first base. Well, I'm glad Kershaw started. And I'm glad a Yankee got the All-Star Game MVP. He's an L.A. kid, though, and he hit one a mile into the bleachers. But as great as it was, we can obviously see All-Star Game needs some kind of adjustments. Well, it because the ALs won, what, nine in a row now? Something like that? Eight or nine in a row? And because 34 players elected not to participate after being selected to the game. So you had 80 All-Stars in total. It just seems a little lackluster for that many guys to not care. I remember you could vote the All-Star ballot. I don't know if you remember this. You could pick up an All-Star ballot and vote. And now it's kind of changed, right? I I like the way they do it. That's just me. I like the pageantry. I like the home run derby. And I will say this, Micah, after this home run derby that I saw, I like it better than the dunk contest because in the dunk contest, you're going to have to bring Ja Morant. You're going to have to bring the dunkers. These guys brought the bats. And we didn't see Stanton. We didn't see Judge. We didn't see Bregman. We didn't see some other huge bats. 
Like for Stanton and Judge not to be in this, they should have been. You wouldn't be down for seeing the two biggest names for Ozuna on one side or Acuna or Betts and Trout and you have Pickham. You just roll them out there and after the All-Star Home Run Derby, we pick the two teams kind of like they do in the NBA and then you have a real random All-Star game. What about that? Yeah, that might work too. But I like this format. I do. I just think, like I say in the dunk contest, the dunkers need to get in the dunk contest. All the bats need to get in the Home Run Derby. Olivera versus Mahashev is official for October in Abu Dhabi, and this may be the matchup of the two greatest grapplers ever in a UFC title fight. For sure. Yeah, fact. And not just that, Micah. The fights that are starting to come together now, Nate Diaz coming back, Peter Yan. Are going to get there? We're going to get there. Let me go through it. I'm just saying, this, they finally made some matchups that people have wanted to see. And I know there's been a lot of different things happening, but this reminds me of the old UFC right now for a minute. No better theater than Al Jermaine Sterling after twice beating Peter Young to have to solidify his championship reign than having to go through TJ Dillashaw, who never lost the title, but was stripped, if you'll recall. <laughs> yeah. It gets a little complicated sometimes. Fact. But that's the perfect matchup to test the medal, to bring out the real championship skill, to see if Sterling is the guy we think he is now. I think he's the guy we think he is. And on the other side, now Peter Young friend, and another. Friend, friend of the show, by the way. Friend Al of the Jermaine's show, Jermaine been Sterling. on the show. So, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan, but go ahead. And now, on the other side of theatrical, also on the same card, we have Peter Yawn, two losses in a row to Sterling. He needs to get back that mojo and he's taking on promotional darling Sean O'Malley. This has to have you at the edge of your seat because either a new star is born or the former champion reestablishes himself. Yeah, this is the best matchup I saw, for me anyway, from an entertainment perspective. Because if O'Malley wins, he becomes a star immediately. And one month prior, we're going to see it. Nate Diaz's final fight in the UFC comes against Hamza Chimaev, and this is perfectly made for the UFC to have pushed all the chips in on Chimaev is the next big thing. Well, and here's the other thing, because you're saying he's pushing all the chips in, so fact. But I also think this, Nate Diaz has been on hiatus. For those of you wondering what that word means, that means he's had a long layoff. It's we not don't, that long, it's eight months. Eight months is long, Micah. Not compared to the two years before that, Nate fights on his own schedule. Right? So, I mean, we're getting... A great fighter right now who's fought consistently. Fought two weeks in a row one time. He's fought a lot in a row. Ultimate fighter winner, season five, old school. Where And he's coming off a great victory. Chimaev has all the momentum that win over Gilbert Burns, making a name for himself. I like him in this fight, and I'm the biggest Nate Diaz fan. I just think the changing of the guard happens. Change of the guard needs to happen. They are putting it on Chimaev to become a pay-per-view star in this moment. Kamaru Usman, I have him top three pound for pound in the world. He says his intentions are to move up to 205 pounds with a win over Leon Edwards. And this, like Canelo versus Bivol, may be going up too much in weight class. Yeah, I agree. Fact. And if he gets to 205, don't be surprised if Jones comes back down to 205, right? That, that would be something. And then match him up and then see what happens. But... I think this could be this this type of jump, right? Anderson Silva did it. 
Anderson Silva did he, it. He went up to 205. He had success before the title. Right? I just, this is a tough one. Because Canelo found success in moving up, beating Kovalev. But then he ran into Bivol. Right? Now, he may find success at the first time at 205. But then if you got to run into a real, I shouldn't say, anybody who fights at 205 is real. But what I'm saying, a name at 205. Blahovich to Sarah Pochaska. They all feel like they may be a little bit too big for Usman. As much as I love Usman, number three, number two pound for pound in the world right now. Who's number one? Alexander Volkanovsky, also friend of this show. Curtis Blades, Tom Aspinall, our UFC London main event today. The winner is staring down a title shot. I don't know if, so I'm going to say fiction. Because to get a title shot anymore, it's tough. It's not easy getting a title shot. It's not easy, but Tom Aspinall has round off five in a row. They've been impressive. He's steadily climbing the ladder. This would be a third straight main event. When you keep main eventing these fight nights, Mike, and you're taking out these ranked challengers ahead of you, I think it puts Aspinall right in the mix by the end of the year. Is Jones Miosic still on? The rumors have quieted down. September has passed us by. The October announcement. Jones Miocic, it's all quieted down. The Nganu talks are kind of quiet. We'll see this weekend if with Blades, Aspinall, maybe Dana White has to answer some of those questions over there in the post-fight media scrum. But also to watch for today, Patty Pimblett, because he has that star quality. He does. Fact. And they're trying to find another Conor McGregor somewhere. They're just trying. And you got to keep trying. He's loud. He's bashful. He's unapologetic. He's got some of that charisma. Yeah, it's hard to say he has some of the charisma because Conor McGregor had it all. He just didn't have some. He had all the charisma. Well, how about this? He has different charisma. Because if you had just the same charisma, you'd just be a copy. And we don't need a copy because Connor, besides copying Ric Flair and Chow Sonnen, didn't copy anybody. So maybe you could not be a copy. I don't know if he copied Chael as much as maybe as he copied Floyd. And I don't even like to use the word copy. I don't even like to make copies. Right? But what I'm saying is I think Floyd learned from, excuse me, Connor learned from Floyd for sure. Chael could talk, but Chael didn't have the charisma staying with your word of Connor. Well, Patty, staying with your word is learning from Connor. Fair enough. And Jake Paul may have more Dana White in him than he leads us to believe. I'll tell you what, Jake Jake Paul can sell. The Did guy, you like his video? Oh, my goodness. The guy just, he continues to, I don't know, what, what do you call the influencers? To continue to subscribe and like? Influences. He pulls in the social media likes. He creates the trends. He is the influencer. He is the trendsetter is what you're trying to tell me. So Jake Paul can promote. And we'll see now when he fights Rockman Jr. How many people tune in, number one, and how many people show up to the garden. Think about it. He's fought in the garden, Micah. What is this, his sixth fight? And he's in Madison Square Garden headlining? For the first time ever, we can put one on the scoreboard for the opponent in the trash talk because as much as Jake Paul says he is in for fighter pay and fair treatment of all fighters, 
he has declined Rockman any percentage of the pay-per-view <laughs> points. So Rockman said, why shouldn't you sell the whole thing if you're the only one getting paid for the whole thing? So break your back if you want to carry the whole load. More Dana White than sharing the pie? Ugh. We'll see, but... Here's the thing, Jake Paul. Here's another guy learned from Floyd, probably learned from Dana, learned learned from guys that putting a lot of money in his pocket. He's out there learning. Hopefully, Tiafimo Lopez will have learned his lesson. I believe we'll see it, and he will rebound against Pedro Campa. And he'll rebound against Campa, but so fact. But what happens next, right? What's going to happen next is the question. Do you take that Barboza Jr. call out? Get a belt around the waist again? I, I would call him. You know, I would take it at this point because he has to wait too, Micah, to see if Haney and Cambusis is winner. Okay, because they're they're going to fight a rematch. Devin Looks Haney. like Melbourne. Then he has to say, okay, does Tank fight King Rye and Garcia? What happens with Shakur? I'd take it just to stay. After this fight, I'd, I'd take the call from Barbosa and then see what happens. Curry exceeded expectations as Espy's host. Espy's is a tough gig. So I don't want to say fact or fiction. I think that's tough. Think about that. LeBron hosted it, as Steph Curry mentioned. He reminded us of that. He gave us some Celtics facts. I think he owned the night. You know, and then I remember Justin Timberlake hosting it. I thought he did a great job. I think it's tough to host the Espy. Jamie Foxx did a great job hosting the ESPYs. Definitely cannot compare Jamie Foxx's <laughs> level hosting ability to Steph Curry in his first time up to bat. I'll tell you what, the suit was the suit was nice. Was that just a tank top underneath? I didn't see that, but that green, that green was you could see it. And and Steph, I you know, it was good to see Steph be Steph loosen up a little bit, right? Because he was cracking some jokes. Oh, man. Talking about even his first question is, why is Draymond's podcast so popular? <laughs> so, yes, good job, Steph Curry. Great job. Kyler Murray getting paid. He deserves it, but it's a rough spot because he doesn't have the adequate lineup for these expectations. Fact. And what was he guaranteed? 160. So no matter what, he's guaranteed a buck 60. Now, what I thought about right away, okay, so you settle the score with Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a contract, right? Right. So what number is that? Like, what number is Lamar Jackson? And then I started to think, why would you push him out of the top 10? His numbers just got bigger, Micah. His number, we know Rodgers makes, what, 50 million? Kyler Murray's like at 46 point something. We're Where here. do you put Lamar Jackson? What, what's the number? He has to be, do you give him 48, 49, or do you make him higher than Rodgers to make him happy? Eight years, four hundred million dollars. Well, don't forget, Mahomes is at five hundred million. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much we can guarantee, but about fifty million annually probably seems to be the sweet spot. Is what you're trying to tell me to land at? Now you've told me about suit fashion. You've told me about all star fashion. We're talking NFL. I need to know about helmet fashion now. Which one has gotten Mike Adams most attention? The Bengals are going to go white this year. The Texans are going to go red. The Panthers and the Jets have each thrown out a black look. Or the Cowboys will throw back to the white look. What are the Raiders going back to? Hopefully some wins this year. <laughs> well, they were 10-7. and seven. 
lost to the eventual Super Bowl contender, Cincinnati Bengals. And they have Devontae Adams. And yet some people are picking them fourth in the division. I don't want to give you Raider history right now. But as far as helmets, Micah, just stick with the new stuff. I know they go nostalgia. And you have to. And it, and it boosts merch sales. I get it. I have every Raider hat, by the way, including the very first one. I was wearing it the other day. There's nothing to be excited about in Houston football except those candy apple red helmets. So let's just give them a win right there. And we like looks. We like optics. We like backdrops. And I got to say, this week I saw it in person. The TBT, whether it was at the Rutgers, at Xavier, or here at the Pit, they chose some amazing backdrops, and that's a fact. Yeah, that is a fact. And shout out Scott Bamford, Del Norte High School. You know me when I shout out Del Norte, Micah. And Scott Bamford stole the show of the TBT in the pit. We know you mean it, and we know that's coming deep from the soul. But also from seeing the TBT, it's growing on me. I hope it's growing on you. The Elam ending is something worth looking into more. It keeps the purity of basketball in the game. I don't know if it keeps purity. It keeps you from hacking away the last three minutes of the game. Well, and I don't know if the game was ever so pure that no one was fouling anybody, but I get where you're going. And, yes, it's interesting, and it speeds up. I think the game gets sped up, too, with an Elam ending. Do you? I think it gets sped up, and I think, like you said, the only way to win is to play defense, not hope that Shaq misses free throws. That's a good point. And Shaq was a 50% free throw shooter by the time of the end of his career. Everybody tries to act like he shot below 30%, Micah. He's a 50% free throw shooter. And half, heck, if you got a shot to make half of anything, you're doing all right. It was amazing. He was an 86% free throw shooter in gym practice. Just can never overcome that one hurdle there in the live games. Now, Mr. Laker, we're bringing it up. This is a bad sign. Russell Westbrook firing his agent has to have everybody on pause. I don't know if anybody's on pause, so fiction. Do you remember pause rewind on your tape deck, on your cassette tape deck? Pause rewind. I can't tell you how many times I hit the pause button, Micah. Well, I'm going to hit the play button right now. I don't read into anything when it comes to Russell Westbrook. I think give him another shot in L.A. It was an odd year for him. Odd. But Russell Westbrook's one of my favorite players. Shout out Russ Westbrook if you're listening. Kevin Murphy has been a revelation this year in the Big Three season. For sure. Fact. Putting it out there, 25.2 points per game, leading the league. That's more than three points per game, higher than the second score. But I'm glad you brought up the big three. Can TBT be bigger than the big three? I think it has that potential right now because you're seeing the stars that they try to bring in of yesteryear did not draw as they should. And now the three big three has had to go into a youth infusion where you're already seeing everything laid out for the TBT that's consistent over the last three years. There's been a lot of change for the big three. Here's the other thing, Mike. I believe this. Like We're called the enchantment in the TBT, right? Which led Banforth to play for this team because he was from New Mexico, played his college ball, played Juco in Nebraska, and then went to Weber State with Dame Lillard. But can you imagine the guys that could come back and play for enchantment right now? Think about this. Alex Kirk wasn't there. Cam Barristyle wasn't there. You could open up the door. Bryce Alford played high school basketball in Albuquerque. You could open up that door. 
we could get some stuff going. They could keep this and build it. And they would have won. They'd have been, if those three guys were on this team, they're in the Elite Eight. And this team gave it all against the heart fire. Got to be the top seed for a reason. Those guys were huge out there. One, one last thing on TBT. I All the names, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish it would say heart fire slash, and I don't know where those guys played college ball at. I don't. But at least name a few of the colleges that they went to. Because, because then you're rooting for that, right? Like Enchantment slash Lobos, um, Heartfire slash whatever the alum, biggest alum base is. It just makes it more interesting. Keeping it on the court, the Chicago Sky are looking primed and ready to repeat right now in the WNBA. That's a fact. They've won five in a row, Mike. Ten of their last 11. They still got Candace Parker, Allie Quigley, Courtney Vanderstuck, And now this year... Kalia Cooper has came out to be the team's leading scorer. They're showing so much depth. But it's also crazy to watch the WNBA right now because we haven't seen a crop of rookies like this. There's a three-person race to Rookie of the Year, Ari McDonald, Ryan Hall, and Shakira Austin. Yeah, it's a, it, I, I like Chicago's chances. That's, that, that's a fact. And, and not just that, Michael. But I want to bring up this because... You know, Ric Flair is one of my favorite greatest athletes of all time. I put him on my Mount Rushmore of greatest athletes to ever do any sport. Okay, he's going to fight again. And I'm going to get into a segment shortly. But he's going to fight again. First of all, I want him to be safe. First and foremost, be safe. And number two, though, 73 years old? 73 or 74? 73 years old. 73 years old. There's no other athlete who has performed their craft at 73 years old at this level where you're going into a tag team match. Going to be heading into a tag team match. Crockett Promotions, the last match, part of StarCast Weekend, part of SummerSlam Weekend there in Nashville, Tennessee. Probably only the fifth retirement match in the illustrious career of the 18-time world champion. I got to tell you this, and you know, there's a lot of different angles in professional wrestling. You know, he Jay Lethal takes him in, and they start to work out together. And then Jay Lethal's mad because Ric Flair says, listen, man, on my card, only guys with resumes get down. Right? He wasn't even being thought about. And Jay Lethal's, like, talking about how Ric Flair, he had Ric Flair socks. He's his hero, right? And then Jeff Jarrett's at the press conference, and Ric Flair's saying a few words to him. And then Jay Lethal jumps Ric Flair. The the theatrics to this? We you, got the backstory. Right? We understand. You could even go back into the day to when Ric Flair was on the sidelines and Jeff Jarrett had to save the Four Horsemen, but Rick has never acknowledged Jeff as a real member of the Four Horsemen. If you've never seen it, go back and treat yourself on YouTube. Check out the woo-off between Jay Lethal and Ric Flair from Impact Wrestling. Yeah, Classic let, stuff. Let me tell you, the, the Four Horsemen, Arn Oli, Tully, and Rick. That's that's it. Now, they had other guys join the Horsemen. Do not forget James J. Dillon, the manager, the founder. That's 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 a good point. But I will say this, Micah. They will ne- you can bring it. They brought in Barry Windham for a little bit. Who will be there with Arn and Rick and James Dillon at StarCast. So those Horsemen, you must respect. They'll be there to sign the autographs together. But there's only four Horsemen. It's Tully, Oliarn, and Ric Flair. 
Oh, woo! I, you know, here's the thing, Michael. You hear it all around now. Everybody's wooing. Everybody. Am I right? Everybody and oh, too many UFC goers. Here's the thing, Micah. I hope he's safe. He's entertained me for, I can't tell you how many years. My favorite wrestler from day one. We all have our favorites. Been my favorite wrestler from day one. He is a legend. Hopefully he'll be safe. He's going out there with his son-in-law, Arm and Arm as his tag team partner, Andrade Elidio. Hopefully everything will go off as it should. Unfortunately, we know there will be blood. It's a Ric Flair match. Ric Flair. Best of luck to you, Chant. Michael, what a great factor fiction. Thank you. I try to change it up. Try to go a little bit everywhere this week. Yeah, always appreciative of factor fiction. You're listening to Mike Adams 2. Let's get back to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Presented by El Mesquite Market. Bringing cultures together. Welcome back. Mike Adams 2.0 ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. That was factor fiction. And, you know, I'm understanding more and more the greatness I've watched throughout my life, right? And and you go back to Magic Bird, Brady. I, I We can name them all. You know who they are. But then I started to think, is the next guy I'm going to mention maybe top four of all time? Of all time in my lifetime, who I've met, right? And who has entertained us for oh so long. And then I found out that he's going to have his last fight. This is supposedly his last fight coming up. Now, the guy, I believe, is going on 73, 74 years old. And he's had generational entertainment for me. Like, I was watching him when I was a kid. Then later on in life, right? But this may be the greatest top four of all time. If there was going to be a Mount Rushmore of sports, greats. I think I'd have to put him up there for the entertainment value. And that's none other than Ric Flair. Oh, woo! See, a lot of people do that now. But when he was styling and profiling, Rolex wearing, right? Ric Flair brought an entertainment value at an all-time high. And we're talking about guys playing football in their 40s, guys boxing in their 50s, but who's still doing their sport in their 70s? And you talk about how many world championships, right? Think about how this man has won. Man, I still remember him fighting Harley Race. This is going way back, or wrestling. Harley Race, Magnum TA, Kevin Nash. I can go on and on, right? There's not a... Shawn Michaels. Like all the greats. Like this guy has wrestled everybody. Hulk Hogan. So I started to think, if he's still wrestling in his 70s, next week is when it's going to be... I don't know if you can say it's his last match. Like, who continues to wrestle in their 70s? Like, we're talking about LeBron playing basketball for another five, six years and doing it at a high level. This guy, we're going to tune in and want to see the Ric Flair 
with the walk, with the suits, with the robe, walk that aisle like only he can do. So you might say, Mike, well, who else is on that Mount Rushmore? Well, I'd put Ric Flair on it. For me, it's going to be Magic Johnson, Ric Flair. I got to go Tom Brady. I have to. And the fourth guy, it may surprise you. But this is me, right? See, a lot of people say, Mike, you always say Magic Bird. Well, that's who influenced me. That's who influenced me to play the game of basketball. Right? Pistol Pete Maravich influenced me. I was already past high school and college when Jordan was wowing everybody. Jordan came in in like 85, 86, but then he became Jordan in like 92, 93. Or 94 in that era. I was still in, just getting out of college by then. So when you think about it, right? Magic and Bird influenced me, Ric Flair. I'd watch wrestling all the time. And for those of you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, you remember Mike London, the Civic Auditorium, Ricky Romero. And I can go on and on of all the other great wrestlers that were in Tingley Coliseum. But for some reason, Ric Flair entertained. So who's that fourth guy, right? I'm going to go with Novak, the tennis player. So think about that. I have a wrestler, a basketball player, a football player, and a tennis star. And you can put in whoever you'd like in between. But how cool is that? That Ric Flair is going to wrestle in his 70s. I've been watching this guy since I was probably 8 years old, maybe 10. Imagine guys who were wrestling against him way back 50 years ago. A 50-year wrestling career? Come on. And guess what? I'm going to watch it. Like, I don't want to watch it, but it's like I have to watch it because he's going to be, sell. think about this, 73, 74 years old, and the robes that he wears, the Rolex wearing, the the three-piece suits, the limousine riding. And still entertaining us. Ric Flair, shout out to you. I want to interview him. When I met him, I just got a chance to say, how are you, sir? But I didn't get a chance to sit down and have discussions with him. Ric Flair is going to fight again next week. 73 years old. And I'm excited. When's the last time? I've talked wrestling. It's been a long time. So shout out Ric Flair. Best of luck to you. And what an unbelievable career. Like, you think about all the guys who do it now. Think about all the great wrestlers. Undertaker, Steve Austin, The Rock. John Cena, see? You didn't know I knew wrestling. I go back to Ted DiBiase at the Civic Auditorium. But Ricky Romero was our guy, right? From Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's my Mount Rushmore. Ric Flair's on my Mount Rushmore of all-time greats. He deserves to be there. Good luck to the champion. 16-time, 17-time, 18-time, wheeling, dealing, kiss-stealing, Rolex-wearing, limousine-riding. Oh, woo! Ric Flair. 
will be fighting in his 70s. Best of luck, Ric Flair. I want to thank Sal behind the glass, Joe Neal, the president. I want to thank Alyssa Ryan, Preston, John, Michael. Don't forget, listen to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Mike Adams 2.0. Don't forget to look up the Instagram at Mike Adams 2.0. But you're listening to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Thanks for joining us for Mike Adams 2.0, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Join us again next Saturday, 9 to 10, on your New Mexico-owned and operated station, ESPN Radio 1017, the team.